Chapter Twenty One of the Four Pools Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Four Pools Mystery by Jean Webster. Chapter Twenty One. Mr. Terence Kirkwood Patton of New York. There is Luray, I said, pointing with my whip to the scattered houses of the village as they lay in the valley at our feet. Terry stretched out a hand and pulled the horses to a standstill. Wow, just a minute till I get my bearings. Now, in which direction is the cave? It extends all along underneath us. The entrance is over there in the undergrowth, about a mile to the east and the woods extend straight across the mountain in an unbroken line? Pretty much so. There are a few farms scattered in. How about the farmers? Are they well to do around here? I think on the whole they are. Which do they employ mostly to work in the fields? Negroes or white men? As to that, I can't say. It depends largely on circumstances. I think the smaller farms are more likely to employ white men. Let me see, said Terry. This is just about planting time. Are the farmers likely to take on extra men at this season? No, I don't think so. Harvest time is when they are more likely to need help. Farming is new to me, laughed Terry. East side problems don't involve it. A man of Moses' habits could hide pretty effectually in those woods if he chose. He scanned the hills again and then brought his eyes back to the village. I suppose we might as well go on to the hotel first. I should like to interview some of the people there. And by the way, he added, it's as well not to let them know I'm a friend of yours, or newspaper man either. I think I'll be a detective. Your young man from Washington seems to have made quite a stir in regard to the robbery. We'll see if I can't beat him. There's nothing that so impresses a rural population as a detective. They look upon him as omnipotent and omniscient, and every man squirms before him in the fear that his own little sins will be brought to light. Terry laughed in prospect. Introduce me as a detective by all means. Anything you like, I laughed in return. I'll introduce you as the Pope if you think it will do any good. There was no keeping Terry suppressed, and his exuberance was contagious. I was beginning to feel light-hearted myself. The hotel at Luray was a long, rambling structure which had been casually added from time to time. It was painted a sickly mustard yellow, a colour which, the landlord assured me, would last forever. But its brilliancy was somewhat toned by a thick coating of dust. A veranda extended across the front of the building, flush with the wooden sidewalk. The veranda was furnished with a railing, and the railing was furnished at all times of the day, except for a brief nooning from twelve to half-past with a line of boot soles in assorted sizes. We drew up with a flourish before the wooden steps, in front of the hotel, and I threw the lines to the stable boy 
who came forward to receive us with an amusing air of importance. His connection with the Luray tragedy conferred a halo of distinction, and he realized the fact. It was not everyone in the neighborhood who had had the honor of being cursed by a murderer. As we alighted, Terry stopped to ask him a few questions. The boy had told his story to so many credulous audiences that by this time it was well nigh unrecognizable. As he repeated it now for Terry's benefit, the evidence against Radnor appeared conclusive. A full confession of guilt could scarcely have been more damning. Terry threw back his head and laughed. Take care, young man, he warned. You'll be eating your words one of these days, and some of them will be pretty hard to swallow. As we mounted the steps, I nodded to several of the men whom I remembered having seen before, and they returned an interested, how do you do, pleasant day, as they cast a reconnoitering glance at my companion. Gentlemen, I said with a wave of my hand toward Terry, let me introduce Mr. Terence Kirkwood Patton, the well-known detective of New York, who has come down to look into this matter for us. The chairs which were tipped back against the wall came down with a thud, and an awed and somewhat uneasy shuffling of feet ensued. I wish to go through the cave, Terry remarked in the crisp, incisive tones a detective might be supposed to employ, and I should like to have the same guide who conducted Mr. Crosby the time the body was discovered. That's Pete Moser. He's out in the back lot ploughing. A half-dozen voices responded. Ah, thank you. Will someone kindly call him? We will wait here. Terry proceeded with his usual ease to make himself at home. He tipped back his hat, inclined his chair at the same dubious angle as the others, and ranged his feet along the railing. He produced cigars from various pockets, and the atmosphere became less strained. They were beginning to realize that detectives are made of the same flesh and blood as other people. I gave Terry the lead. Perhaps it would be more accurate to say that he took it, but it did not strike me that he set about his interviewing in a very business-like manner. He did not so much as refer to the case we had come to investigate but chatted along pleasantly about the weather and the crops and the difficulty of finding farm hands. We had not been settled very long when, to my surprise, Jim Madison strolled out from the barroom. What he was doing in Luray I could easily conjecture. Madison's assumption of interest in the case all along had angered me beyond measure. It is not, ordinarily, a part of the sheriff's duties to assist the prosecution in making out a case against one of his prisoners, and owing to the peculiar relation he bore to Radnor, his interference was not only bad law, but excruciatingly bad taste. My dislike of the man had grown to such an extent that I could barely be civil to him. It was only because it was policy on my part not to make him an active enemy, that I tolerated his presence at all. I presented Terry, though Madison took his calling more calmly, 
than the others. Still, I caught several sidewise glances in his direction, and I think he was impressed. "'Happy to know you, Mr. Patton,' he remarked as he helped himself to a chair and settled it at the general angle. "'This is a pretty mysterious case in some respects. I rode over myself this morning to look into a few points, and I shall be glad to have some help, though I'm afraid we'll not find anything that'll please you. "'Anything pleases me, so long as it's the truth,' Terry threw off as he studied the sheriff, with a gleam of amusement in his eyes. He was thinking, I knew of Polly Mathers. I hope, he added, assuming a severely professional tone, that you haven't let a lot of people crowd into the cave and tramp up all the marks. The landlord, who was standing in the doorway, chuckled at this. There ain't many people that could drive into that there cave at the point of the pistol he assured us. They think it's haunted. Leastways, the niggers do. Have niggers been in the habit of going in much? Oh, more or less, the sheriff returned, when they want to make themselves inconspicuous for any reason. I had a horse thief hide in there for two weeks last year, while we were scouring the country for him. There are so many little holes, it's almost impossible to find a man. Tramps occasionally spend the night there in cold weather. Do you have many tramps around here? Not a great many. Once in a while a nigger comes along and asks for something to eat. More often he takes it without asking, one of the men broke in. A week or so ago my old woman had a cheese and a ham and two whole pies that she'd got ready for a church social, just disappear without a word out of the pantry window. If that ain't the mark of a nigger, I miss my guess. Terry laughed. If that happened in the north, we should look around the neighborhood for a sick small boy. It wasn't no boy this time, leastways not a very small one, the man affirmed, for that same day a pair of my boots that I'd left in the woodhouse just naturally walked off by themselves and I found them the next day at the bottom of the pasture. It would take a pretty sizable fellow that my boots was too small for. He finished with a grin. They are a trifle conspicuous. One of the others agreed with his eyes on the feet in question. I caught an interested look in Terry's glance as he mentally took their measure, and I wondered what he was up to but as our messenger and Pete Moser appeared around the corner at that moment, I had no time for speculation. Terry let his chair slip with a bang and rose to his feet. "'Ah, Mr. Moser, I'm glad to see you,' he exclaimed with an air of relief. "'It's getting late,' he added, looking at his watch, "'and I must get this business settled as soon as possible.' I have another little affair waiting for me in New York. Bring plenty of calcium light, please. We want to see what we're doing. As for the four of us, we're preparing to start. Terry paused on the top step and nodded pleasantly to the group on the veranda. Thank you for your information, gentlemen. I have no doubt but that it will be of the greatest importance. And he turned away with a laugh at their puzzled faces. The sheriff and I were equally puzzled. 
I should have suspected that Terry, in the role of detective, was playing a joke on them. Had he not very evidently got something on his mind, he was of a sudden in a frenzy of impatience to reach the cave, and he kept well ahead of us most of the way. I suppose, said Madison, as he climbed a fence with tantalizing deliberation, we were going by way of the fields as that was shorter. I suppose that you are trying to prove that Radnor Gaylord had nothing to do with this murder. That will be easy enough, Terry threw back over his shoulder. I dropped him long ago. The one I'm after now is the real murderer. Madison scowled slightly. If you can explain what it was that happened in that cave that upset him so mightily, I'd come a little nearer to believing you. Terry laughed and fell back beside him. It's a thing which I imagine may have happened to one or two other young men of this neighborhood, not inconceivably yourself included. Madison, seeing no meaning in this sally, preserved a sulky silence and Terry added, the thing for us to do now is to bend all our energies toward finding Cat Eye Mose. I doubt if we can completely explain the mystery until he is discovered. And that, said the sheriff, will be never. You may mark my words. Whoever killed the colonel killed Mose too. It's possible, said Terry, with an air of sadness, but I hope not. I came all the way down from New York on purpose to see Mose, and I should hate to miss him. End of chapter 21